bitches bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erica, and I have a special guest for you all. Um, this week on our Women of Color on the Campaign Trail, we're going to veer off a little bit, but we'll be back on it next week. But I want to bring in Sarah Biggs, who is a political strategist from Calgary, Alberta, who is a partner at her own firm, Olson and Biggs, um, which is a public affairs firm in Alberta, and who has been instrumental in the passage and of Bill 17 in Alberta. And we're going to explain what Bill 17 is. But we're going to welcome Sarah first. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good. Now, I... I find you very interesting because like we all we talked off, you know, yeah, Mike or whatever. But also you are from Quebec living in Alberta. I am. I'm I'm one of those who came here for six months and never left. And so let's talk about Bill 17. You should let's let's do that. Okay, for those who don't know, Bill 17 otherwise known as the Labor Statutes Amendment Act, uh, will amend Alberta's Employment Standards Code to allow for the bereavement leave and reservist leave policies for employees. And the proposed changes will expand access to bereavement leave to employees who experience a miscarriage or stillbirth. Any employee would have to be a parent including biological parents, adoptive parents, and surrogates will be eligible for bereavement leave. Now, that's not the important part, is it? No, that's the original. That's law. the original. Okay. That's the original. That's the 1.0. That's the OG. That's um, the OG. So tell us about 2.0 because 2.0 does a lot for, like, is, 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 a, is a shift to allow for abortion. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory on how I met. Please do. So my OBGYN, the doctor that gave birth to my baby, Mm -hmm. uh, was like, Sarah, I'm on the board of a foundation and they could use your help. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And she was like, they're called the Pregnancy Pregnancy and Infant Law Support Center. There's a So it is important to note that Bill 17 originally was a private member's bill, which was Bill 220. Okay. So usually private member's bill are where hopes and dreams usually go. Yes. Yes. It's like a used part, a used parts, car parts lot where, you know, it just, it gets parked there and, it usually dies when uh, the legislative session seating is over. And why so, is that? Because very often it's their it's little personal projects from mm. MLAs, and it's very complicated. And you know, since they're not government bills, they kind of fall down the agenda. So mm. usually, when the government is done passing their bills, um, even if there's like a few uh, private member bills on the 
docket, they're going to call it quit and then the bill will go and die. So I was like, I called Aditi. I have amazing clients. Aditi is amazing. Um, love her to death. I, you know, I, I'm extremely thankful that they trusted me in the post in the process. This and, is the you know, um, children's org you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So she's the president of the pregnancy and infant loss support. Right. Right. Okay. Center. So Aditi Loveridge, she's a badass of a strong woman. She is, I have so much respect for her. And, you know, she was like, Sarah, we need home. So I laid out. So very often I'm into the, um, I'm more of proponent of let's not make too much splash, but let's get lots done in the background and, you know, in the backstage. And then, so uh, we met with stakeholders, uh, with government and MLAs and all that. And I looked at them and I was like, that, that, that would be nice if Bill 220 would be converted. You know, it's dead now. It would be nice if it would be revived into a, a government bill. And, and this like, is what oh, you're yeah. taking. This is what you're telling stakeholders, right? And the yeah. government. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and the government. So, and then they were like, okay. And I was like, you know what would be nice? I was like, the throne speech would be a nice little, you know, it's a feel <laughs> good story. I was like, it would be nice to be mentioned in throne speech. And then they look at me and I was like, you know, it's, it's a feel good legislation. It's something that is doing good to Albertans. So we ended up in the throne speech and the government was um, willing to put it as a government bill. So when I was- Oh, really? How did you get yeah, yeah, yeah. to we do ended that? Up throne, yeah, we ended up in the throne speech. How so did you I get, was, No, 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 really. We're talking about a UCP government. How did you convince them to do that? I don't know. I just said it's a feel good piece. It would look extremely good on you. Oh, okay. I Vanity. Speak I, I speak conservative. Oh, that's, that's true. Okay. Okay. True, true, true. It's, it's the way you, you present things sometimes. Uh-huh. Like I'm very, I'm considered like a very, someone at the center with some leftist tendencies and some conservative tendencies, but I'm, I'm, I'm recognized as one that can speak to both sides of the aisles mm. extremely well and able to collaborate with everyone. Right. So, you know, that's kind of my selling point of like, I don't care if I don't care. I just, right. we get it down. So, and I was like, you know, it would be nice, a little nice touch. It's been heavy times. COVID has been difficult. You know, a lot of people are grieving. A lot of people don't, you know, it would be. Oh, it would, I know what you good. did. You tied it to COVID and you know, they're squeamish about that. And yeah. now we know why. Got it. No, I'm, I'm just following yeah. your line of reasoning yeah. here and I'm seeing the light. Okay, but go ahead. I, I think there was no reasoning. There was just ambition at this point and just yeah. trying, you know, trying to overshoot. But then we were listening to the throne speech and I was like, hold up. I was like, one second. I was like, what? So I texted the DT. I was like, we're in the throne speech. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, they're talking about us in the throne speech. She was like, what is that? I was like, oh my God. I was like, okay, that is like, the government's agenda for the next six months. And she was like, oh my God. So I had to explain them a little bit what the throne speech was and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Everybody was, because it is a promise to the government that right. will be, this bill happen. Right. So then we, we got invited to, um, so 
when the bill was ready to be tabled, I think it was a month ago, um, they reached out to my client and they were like, oh, we, um, can you, we're going to be tabling bill 17. Can you come and, you know, make a speech with us? Emily Walker is going to be there. So Emily Walker was the sponsor for the private member bill. Mm-hmm. So they told us that Emily Walker was there. So I write a beautiful speech. We haven't seen the legislation. So I kind of wrote, it is in our hope to see that this, 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 this will be included. So we set up our expectations and we made sure that we did we made sure to mention that, you know, we are here today talking about this bill, but we haven't seen it yet. We don't know when it's going to look like. And then uh, we walk in. I'm, I'm like, oh, where, where, where's Emily Walker? And they're like, oh, he, he won't be here. And I was like, who's going to be here? Who? They're like, well, Minister Madhu is going to be here. I was like, okay. I was like, who else? I'm seeing bodyguards. Right. And they're like, oh, Premier Kenny's going to be there. Yeah. I was like. Well, okay, so uh, find me a room because we need to change the speech. Right. Like we need to make. So because when you're making a speech before, sorry, my cat is climbing on me. Um, So before um, seeing a bill, you want to make sure that you are setting your expectations and that they are made public. So if the bill is not represented the way you advocated for and how you advocated for it, um, you're able to go back to that and be like, look, this is what we want. And very often when you're including uh, keywords that should be in the legislation, uh, but you're doubtful that they are, then you can get the minister on record. So what's happening is that we said that we were hoping that abortion, missed adoption, failed adoption, you know, uh, yeah. surrogate marriage and all that, infertility, um, you know, and uh, a journalist called and she was like, Minister Madhu, will this be including abortion? And he said, yes. Oh, so that's, that's what we were fishing for because right. we did not know if he was going, if we didn't know what the legislation looked like. Like we had get no, that journalist to call. No, oh. <laughs> it was just a separate thing. Yeah, and oh, it was Christian and French, funny enough. Oh. <laughs> so the minister, so the question was addressed to Kenny, and we know Kenny with, you know, abortion. It's words are he's not very comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So Minister Matthew jumped in English and was like, yes, it's going to be TFMR, termination for medical reason, abortion, and all that. Termination for medical re- re- uh, yeah. reasons. Okay. So termination for medical reason is, let's say you're 24 weeks pregnant, but they discover that your baby's brain is not growing and he will not survive. Mm -hmm. They give you the option of terminating the pregnancy because it could A, make you extremely sick or kill you, or B, the baby will not develop at all. Like Mm -hmm. there's no, it's stop. This is where it at. This is where it's at. And it's extremely traumatic, Um, but it happens. Right. And some people choose that avenue instead of carrying the pregnancy all the way to nine months. And then the baby passes. Um, so it is considered like a stillbirth. Then it is not considered like a TFMR. 
So, you know, women have options on how they want to deal with those issues, which is right. extremely important. So, yes. But we got him on record on conference on press conference day. Oh, cool. So and then they this is were, Labor Minister Casey Mandu you're talking about, right? It is. That you got him on record. Yes. Yeah. So we were that wasn't like around noon, three o'clock. And uh, we were embargoed, so we were not allowed to talk about anything. So they tabled the legislation at three, and I'm like, it is not including miscarriage, uh, not miscarriage, uh, abortion, abortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all that. So I'm like, okay, back to the drawing board. So we get meetings with Madhu's staff with EDT, and again, to be as successful as we were, you need to have amazing advocates willing to be pushing their messaging to the extreme. Like really being willing to be like not scared and really jump in. So my clients, like Aditi, um, she was on board with our strategy. So we really pushed it. We were like, no, you need to have this. You need to have this. This is what, and then I brought, Terms like um, bereavement inequity that we mm. talked on the phone the other day. Right. And, you know, it is important to have a client that is just as hungry as you are to get it done and is not scared to go to the ministerial staff and be like, no, this is not okay. This is what we need. And that's what she did. This, and yeah. That's what she did. Uh, I was there with her. I was, you know, supporting her as much as I could. But when you have an advocate as strong as a DT, the job is, well, it helps a lot because you're not the mean, angry lobbyist that's just yelling at the government, right? Right. Um, And then what was our uh, concern was, is that the other stakeholders were the pregnancy care centers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you heard about those. They're um, basically, they are... Um, centers that you go there, there, but they will try to convince you to keep the pregnancy. Right. They're, they 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 quote you. unquote counsel you out of having an abortion. Oh yeah, straight Basically. up. I, okay. I, I went, like full 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 disclosure. I I went through that experience because I thought they were really you know there to help women to make decisions and whatnot and. Uh-huh. uh I left there and I cried for three days because it was so traumatic. Oh my called, gosh, really? They tried to make follow-ups and have you made your decision and you know, you could always adopt and you know, you could always, and you know, when I work on that file, I always had that in the back of my head. And I was like, it, it was important for us that the pregnant individuals and their partners would not go through stigmatization mm-hmm. Um with disclosing what kind of loss they were going through. It's like, exactly. So the privacy aspect that goes with the, um, the law itself, like, so it's one thing for a company or the government to give you benefits. It's another thing to have to disclose which benefit you're accessing and for why. Yeah. So we, we promoted a more inclusive language so we would protect the employee and empower them mm-hmm. to own their narrative and their story 
and mm-hmm. for, for them to decide if it is to be shared or not, mm-hmm. not to the employer, because let's say that, you know, in Calgary, employers can be more open-minded or in Edmonton, but if you leave in La Crate, mm-hmm. yes. like, um, for everybody who doesn't know that's rural. <laughs> yeah. Extremely rural. Like yeah. we're talking like extremely, extremely, extremely rural. Yeah. Um, you know, there's and, an employer that might be against the fact that that poor kid who had to drive six hours, then some, to go get an abortion needs some rest and needs to organize how she wants. It is a loss. Yeah. It is always a loss. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's going to be a relief, you know, and just physically heal. Yeah. It's, you feel like garbage. You feel like, you don't feel well after an abortion. Mm-hmm. You just don't. Um, you know, it's, there's no way to feel, but you know, what angers me is like, you know, and to me it was important that if individuals that experience sexual assault and ended up, you know, pregnancy was the outcome of that assault why would they be less deserving of a leave? Right. Because they decided to terminate a pregnancy that was not consensual mm-hmm. and was not desired and agreed on in mm-hmm. the first place. I was like, why, why should they be penalized? What, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, come on guys. And, you know, Roe v. Wade, so that leak of Roe v. Wade that happened that Monday night mm-hmm. precip- precipitated everything. Right. Everything just went, whoo. And that the week was really intense because we were putting a lot of pressure. And, you know, and then I had the opposition calling me and they were like, oh, one, do this, one, do that. And then they presented the amendment. So the 2.0 that any results that does not result as a live birth. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that was the best wording we could get out of them. Yes. So I'm going to read uh, Global's little write up here. Yeah. Um, on Tuesday, Labor Minister Casey Madu introduced an amendment to change the wording. Now, that's this is May, early May this year. It proposed the words miscarriage and stillbirth be replaced with, quote, any pregnancy that ends in a result other than a live birth, unquote. So the legislation will cover stillbirth, miscarriage, and yes, abortion and termination for medical reasons, which is what you were just talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So that is huge it is huge it is huge and i swear to you i didn't really hear about it here nobody talked about it and it's really the first one of the first bill and it's kind in canada in canada isn't this is it the first because i also want to say i checked out the federal legislation on bereavement leave it does not include abortion I'm going to have to look at the Quebec legislation because they're usually, I didn't really focus on that. Yeah, they're usually I, ahead on that. Yeah, they're <laughs> usually ahead. They're pretty, yeah. you know, Bill 96 and 21, hello, but we're going to yeah, give you. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I'm talking about, I'm preaching yeah. against. No, no, no. I get it. Trust I, me, we bitched it up. <laughs> oh my God. Fucking we Bill Oh my God. And, you know, Bill 96, I was calling my parents and I'm like, what, what the fuck is this? And they were like, well, that's okay. They can take three hours. Of- I was like, no. Is that no, the language still? Just- yeah. Ah, uh, yes. I yes. I'm, a bad, I'm a bad Quebecer. Like my mom says, I'm an Anglophone in the Francophone body. But- <laughs> <sighs> um, so back to Bill 17. Yeah. Roe v. Wade precipitated the conversation. Yeah. And the, con- and the conversation at the legislature became very heated. So the opposition party called me and they were like, hey, we want to present that sub amendment. And I'm like, no, no, you will not, because you're going to break everything. So they wanted more clear language. But I was like, there's other ways to do that. So another way to do that is during the committee of the whole, ask the minister if it covers this, this, this and this. And get him to say it. It's just as good as if it was written in law because he is on record during the committee of the whole. Mm-hmm. So they managed to uh, get Minister Madhu to confirm that, yes, it will be including abortion and TFMR. Gotcha. So that was the strategy behind it, right? There's, you know, uh, it's so funny because people think that lobbyists are slimy and some of them, you know, I, I'm going to question that the purpose of their work and, mm-hmm. um, but you know, lobbying is a lot of work at the back that the client will not necessarily see. Mm-hmm. Like I would be on the phone all day going back and forth mm-hmm. and trying to negotiate and be like, no, I'm not okay with that. No, I'm not. And you know what, if you do that, I'm going to come out against you in the media and, it's like, you know, you need to position yourself and you need to do what is best for your client and for the cause. And what was best is that we needed to take the language. The language is not perfect, but the language is better than what was initially. And it set a and, precedent, right? And it does set a precedent. That is so the like, important thing. I was like, I'm comfortable with the language. And I was like, we could always lobby for an amendment later if the government changes or something. I was like, we can always, but making an amendment to the labor code is extremely difficult, mm-hmm. extremely, extremely difficult because it does impact companies, right? Mm-hmm. It does impact the productivity. It does impact, right. like we wanted that three days to be paid, but we didn't manage to get there. Yes. So let's talk about bereavement inequity like we did the other day. And that is a great jumping off point because because these are, I believe, three unpaid days. And so what we're talking about now is um, a labor issue, a precarity of labor issue. Who gets who can afford to take that time off unpaid? Like who can do that? Not a lot of people. Exactly. So again, the benefits of these these laws still accrue to the women at the top, the women in the upper classes. And that's what we're talking about. And especially as it comes to rural versus suburban versus urban, 
Um, access, of course, we've talked about it on this pod is an yeah. issue. So that in itself is an inequity. Um, so when I was saying that this set precedents, the point is that we've we've now we can look to Alberta and build on it. And I yeah. think that that's what I'm trying to get through to a lot of people. This is laborious work. The amount of phone calls and emails and correspondence is, is enough. But then you have to actually fight. And so um, I feel like, you know, this is a, a good example of making steps and building on each other's work. Yeah. So it's baby steps, right? Mm -hmm. We knew that with the current government, we would not be able to get more. Right. Like we already felt like we got, you got a lot more than we asked for. Yeah. Yeah. Much more than we could dream of. And, and it just goes to show how important current events are. Yeah. And because of how it precipitates everything, you know, Vero Wade, the leak is unfortunate Mm -hmm. and it's disgusting. Mm -hmm. And, God forbid, and if there's something that I'm standing for is abortion rights. As disgusting as the leak of Roe v. Wade was, it helped us to precipitate and show and highlight the importance. And there was a huge debate about women's access to abortion at the legislature. Mm -hmm. It was like gloves were off and it was just going back and forth, back and forth. I love forth. this. I love this. I love and this. And it was, you know, and people, some people are calling it political capital, political brownie points, call it what you want, but we needed this mm-hmm. to know that, see, see where we're at, see how we're debating. Imagine in a work environment for women to try to, you know, get that three unpaid days and try to fight to get those three paid days. So, but to go back to, so yeah, so those are, uh, there's current affair events that are really helpful. Sometimes they're not, but you really need to be quick on on it and jump on them. So Mm -hmm. for the inequity, what pains me? So I was working at a firm a long time ago. Mm There was a lady, she was at a third pregnancy she had two tfmrs at over 20 weeks and she was going on her third Mm. and she had to come back like a day or two after she gave birth like that was oh god really yeah because she was out of sick days and um there was one partner that had the kindness to say you know what take the way go home uh-huh. because the her manager would not did not offer her because she was out of sick days vacation days she oh was really wow that always stayed with me and be like you know this is important but you know what i'm worried about now is that there's a lot of individuals that are not able to afford to take three days off mm-hmm. that not go to the employer and they're going to be like you know what i'm just going to suck it up because a i don't want to deal with the employer 
and B, I straight up cannot afford to lose three days of wage Mm -hmm. because it could affect their benefits. It could Mm -hmm. affect their vacation pay. It could have, it can affect a whole lot of things. So I think that we need, we need to take that bill a step further. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it should even be like, a federal legislation almost, I feel like. I think it should be federal. And we're, we're looking into that. We're, you know, we're, we're starting to brew to see what we can do next. I like um, it. But, you know, and there's not everybody can afford to take three days off because, um, you know, a lot of communities, minorities, um, a lot of them are, you know, have very... Um, you know, they work at Walmart or they work at No Frills or mm-hmm. they work as a housekeeper in a hotel. Um, those are very often marginalized communities. And I feel like we are not giving them and we're not going far enough for them. So, yes. because let, let's be honest, big companies like Walmart they're not going to care. They're not going to offer you three days off. Like we need to, and this is the reality of today's um, workplace, right? Um, The current market and those big companies, a lot of big companies are doing a lot of good, but Mm -hmm. other companies are keeping it very basic. Yeah. And, you know, or they would be scared to be terminated in three weeks for another reason, because they took access to that three days off. And then, you know, just organizing the kids to get the day off. Um, if your mother to go and get the abortion done, and especially if you need to travel yeah. and you need to recover. And very often, if you're going alone, you're not going to be able to drive back in the same day. You'll need some days off. Yes. Because there's abortion access in Alberta, in Edmonton, and Calgary. Yes. So everything in between and north and south is hours away. Let Bridge, a city of 100,000 citizens, need to drive three hours to have abortions. To Calgary. Which is crazy. Medicine, Brooks, Camrose, Wetaskiwin, name it. Yeah. Yeah. Stony Plain, High River, Grand Prairie, you know. Yeah. Fort Mac. Fort Mac. Yeah. It's to me, you know, women healthcare is basic healthcare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Women's health is extremely important. And, you know, and that's why I think that the bill needs to go a little further because it's either you expand the accessibility to abortion services in the province. Mm -hmm. Right. Or are you paid to help cover the cost? Yeah. Which we talked about last week, right? Right. There's a lot of companies right now in the United States because of Roe v. Wade um, that will offer their employees to pay for the cost of travel to go get the procedure done. And, you know, I applaud those companies. Thank God someone decided to, you know, take their blindness off and be like, oh, damn like this is a problem this Mm -hmm. is a big problem so it's in very conservative alberta we are more so here's the thing there's a big misconception about alberta 
So what we're dealing, I'm not going to call it a minority because it's not a minority. I don't see them as a minority. I see them as a small group of people that are extremely vocal against certain things. Vaccination, mandates, abortion, you know, all of that realm. And currently... Um, the province, uh, the government is uh, has more, you know, it can be a little bit more vocal now because uh, the bill is passed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, third reading happened yesterday. Um, that's what I call the performative reading before it goes for royal assent. Um, so it's, the performative reading was done yesterday. So I can be more vocal, but, you know, um, that, that the kind of government that we're facing right now is, has populist tendencies it's not even conservatism at this point anymore. It's more populism. And there's a great divide right now in Alberta. And to see that bill, you know, to see that that bill, and we'll give that to the UCP, they whipped their caucus to vote in favor, even if they were personally against abortion. Um, you know, I will commend them on that. Thank you very much. That it made it less divisive for you know the community for you know the grieving community exactly yeah but alberta is so divided right now but we are more progressive than what people think thank you this is what i keep telling people i'm like okay there is rednecks with pickup trucks yes there is we don't have because i'm here in ontario and um like literally literally Doug Ford killed grandma and these and these people are going to reelect him and then they're going to complain. And I'm like, what are you complaining for? You get the government you deserve. So I just want to say, Sarah, um, I keep fighting the good fight and we will continue to talk offline. So everybody, thank you, thank Sarah. You so much. Um, and we will return next week with our regular episode and we're going to jump back into our women of color on the campaign trail series and we have a special special guest i think next week is the last one and we're going to we're gonna we're gonna end up strong sarah again thank you for coming i really really want to talk about this on the mic because a people need to know what's actually happening that they don't necessarily see in mainstream media, especially out here. Um, Number two, I love that you took us through like the nitty gritty of lobbying. The boring part of lobbying. (laughs) Well, yeah, but but the boring parts are not the glamorous parts and everybody needs to know what the boring and frustrating parts are and what it takes to get to bring something to law. And, you know, and I really want to highlight Aditi Loveridge again, because without her, this would have not happened. So Um, I'm going to include Aditi's because I found her online. Yes. I'm going to, I'm not going to include her like info. I'm just going to like put her, I'm going to include a link. Um. Aditi Loveridge, who is um, an author and founded the Pregnancy and Infant Law Support Center, who is also a grief recovery specialist, 
mindfulness and meditation teacher and an author. Shout out to Aditi. Yeah. And they also, you know, for anyone facing grief, just to say their text line, they do not solely focus on clients in Alberta. So if you are in BC, if you are in Ontario, if you are in Quebec and you feel like you do not have resources fast enough, the Pregnancy Infant Loss Support Center is there for them. So if you go on their website, they have a little text chat box. You can either text on your phone or text online and they're going to be there for you. They do not discriminate. Amazing. Sarah, where can people find you? Um, on Twitter. I'm, I'm, I'm Twitter. It's uh, at Sarah B-Y-Y-C. Um, and we have our website, uh, olson-biggs.com. And if- Which we will also add to show to yeah. um, And always feel free yeah. to send me an email if you have any questions or anything, really. And just don't send me insults email because I just yeah. delete. No hate mail. But no, we don't, no. but our listeners would never. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> Bye, Sarah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>